morning. Please be seated. I'm going to need this mic. Good morning. We're going to have to go handheld for just a moment. We have two belt pack microphones, and I have to swap between them on Wednesdays and Sundays so that I have the right one. And uh, even though I know to do that and I was told to do that, I grabbed the wrong one this morning. And so uh, Pastor Kevin is going to get all that taken care of. Uh, as we begin our service this morning. A couple of announcements. Uh, we do have, uh, last night we had, uh, our students had their progressive dinner. I understand it went well. We had a uh, little uh, outdoor movie night here uh, last night as well that was, uh, that was pretty good. A little chilly, but enjoyable. This coming, not tonight, uh, this afternoon we do have a Next Steps class. So if you've been visiting with us for any period of time, whether that be today or that be many days, I want to invite you to come. I'll be here at 4 o'clock this afternoon to meet with you. So even if you didn't register online and you'd like to participate with that, I'll see you at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Next Sunday evening, we have um, what is a, a brand new thing for us here at Malvern Hill. We're going to do something that we're going to call carols and bonfire or carols on fire or something about Christmas carols and fire. And we're pretty excited about that. Uh, so we're going to give uh, glowing firebrands to all of our children, have them run around. No, uh, we, we just, it is such an awkward, strange year, uh, but uh, we want to celebrate Christmas anyway. That's our theme this year at Christmas. It's Christmas anyway, and so uh, it'll be outside. It will hopefully be at least some degree of chilly and dry. And we will have um, some fire pits or a bonfire. We're, we're not exactly sure how all this is going to go yet. We just know there's going to be a lot of singing and a lot of fire. So I hope that you will plan to come out, and uh, we'll give you more, more details about that next Sunday morning. But please make your plans for that. And then finally, at the conclusion of our service today, um, I'm going to ask you if you would hang around for just a few moments. If you're watching online, just be aware. Uh, we are going to do our 2021 budget proposal as well as share some real incredible victories that we have this year and uh, the opportunity that we have to bless some other ministries as a result of God's blessing to us this year. So at the conclusion of our ministry, we will present not only the 2021 budget, but also a couple of other things for your consideration as we consider how it is that we might bless others. So all of that being said, hopefully uh, you've gotten warm. The sun came out. Could we ask for anything better than this? It is a beautiful, sunny December day, and we've all gathered together to worship the Lord. And for those of you wimps that are sitting inside in the heat, you're probably just smarter than the rest of us. And I am very encouraged to know that our church is filled with so many very intelligent people who are sitting in the heat. Kevin, thank you. All right, Mr. Victor, are we good? Thank you so much, y'all. Our, um, all kidding aside, our, our, um, we good? Okay. Okay. Our, uh, our, uh, our, our HV, our HVAC. Wow. Those guys are working hard, too, to make sure the people inside are warm. But our audiovisual folks have really worked double time during this time. All right, Isaiah chapter 9. Hopefully we've got all of these things worked out. Can y'all hear me out there? Are we good? Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Again, we were 1 through 6 last week. We're 1 through 7 today. We're going to consider what is true peace. What is the peace of God? Stand with me, if you would, in honor of God's word. Let me read to you. 
Beginning in verse 1, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful that we serve a God who is jealous for us and who in that loving jealousy will accomplish for us all that is promised in your word. Father, as we consider peace, I pray you would give us peace individually today, but God, help us also be peacemakers in the world around us, especially by proclaiming the greatest peace the world could ever know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teach us this morning. Work among us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is the peace of God? On Christmas Day, or around Christmas Day, 1914, all along the Western Front, the sounds of rifles and exploding shells died out and spontaneous holiday celebrations sprang up in an unofficial ceasefire. Many of you have heard, I'm sure, of the ceasefire on Christmas Day of 1914. Soldiers on both sides of the battle emerged from their trenches with gestures of goodwill. Stories are told, are told of soldiers singing Christmas carols, German soldiers lighting Christmas trees, and even of soldiers meeting in no man's land in at least one occasion for a soccer game. There were gifts exchanged, and there was free will celebrated by all. Peace has always been associated with Christmas. But why? I think it's because on that very first Christmas night, an angel split the heavens open and appeared to a group of shepherds on Bethlehem's hillside. That angel announced the Savior's birth and gave directions for where this Savior could be found. But there was more. Suddenly, a multitude of angels appeared with him, and they burst out in song, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Peace on that very first Christmas it was declared, but peace was among the greatest promises of the coming Messiah from the very beginning. Peace was promised all the way back in the garden. Peace was promised through the prophets and of course, at the birth of Jesus, peace was declared. But what is this peace? The people to whom Isaiah was prophesying in Isaiah 9 knew something about unrest. 
They were nearing the end of an extraordinary period of peace and prosperity. There was gloom about as the rising power of Assyria and others were known all around. They were concerned about the future. They wanted peace. We all want peace. But do we even know what God's peace is? In Isaiah chapter 9, we get a picture of peace that I don't believe looks exactly like the world's understanding of peace. Because in Isaiah chapter 9, peace is bigger and more long-lasting than a secular understanding of peace can ever promise us. First, we see in Isaiah 9 that peace is the defeat of evil. Have you ever tried to make up with your spouse without ever dealing with the underlying issues? Now, I'm not saying your spouse is evil, and I'm certainly not saying that mine is. She is a saint, and she's listening. But Angel and I did watch an old episode of Everybody Loves Raymond recently. We find ourselves sometimes getting in these old sitcoms, and, and we'll lose track of time and watch three or four episodes in a row. But in that episode, uh, Ray and Deborah had been on a trip and disagreed over who should put their suitcase in the bedroom. The entire episode is built around this suitcase that's sitting on the landing of their staircase and the two of them refusing to acknowledge that the suitcase is there and refusing at the same time to move the suitcase. They were passive-aggressive towards one another, not wanting to address it, but at the same time, not wanting to be divided. The suitcase was literally, well, I guess I shouldn't say literally, but the suitcase was the elephant in the room. I guess it wasn't literally an elephant. It was the elephant in the room. They couldn't have peace in their home until they dealt with the issue at hand. You know, we often try to have peace without dealing with the issues. But the Bible teaches us that God's ultimate peace comes not alongside evil, but with the defeat of evil. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, the Bible promised that there was to come this, this child, this son of Adam and Eve, who would not only bring about peace, but before he did, he would crush the head of the serpent. That before there could be total, lasting peace, real, true peace, evil must be defeated. We like to rush through Isaiah 9 and get to Prince of Peace, but we can't get to Prince of Peace until we wrestle or appreciate Isaiah's promise that the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. We can't make it to Prince of Peace until we are reminded that evil has been overcome. And the Bible says, as on the day of Midian. Now, you got to run all the way back into the book of Judges and the Gideon's dealings with the people of Midian. Perhaps you remember the story of Gideon. Gideon was one of the judges in the Old Testament. Uh, this would be in the time period before the monarchy arises. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua, and then you've got Judges. And Judges represents that time between the death of Joshua and the reign of Saul, essentially, um, as, as uh, the priests are beginning to come into prominence. Uh, but in that period of time, God raised up a number of different judges, some good, some not so good, but God used them, whether they were good or bad, to accomplish his purposes. And one of those was a man named Gideon. And the Bible teaches us that Gideon 
was uh, needed to engage with the Midianite army. And as the army of Midian had gathered, Gideon was terrified. I know it sounds like it rhymes, but it sort of does and just sort of doesn't. But the, the, uh, Gideon uh, recognized this was a, an incredible task that he had before him. And so he amassed as large of an army as he could. And God says, you have far too many people. And so twice God uh, scales back Midian's, uh, Gideon's army until Gideon is left with only 300 men. And the reason that God does that is because God wanted to make certain that God alone received all the glory for the victory over Midian. And we won't go into all the details, but God did orchestrate an incredible victory that day. As a matter of fact, the reason that Isaiah 9 references us all the way back to Midian is because he wants us to understand that the defeat of evil, the overcoming of evil, and the coming prince of peace would bring about such a great victory that it would rival that of the victory over Midian. Gideon's army set Midian's army, see it does rhyme, in, in flight. And as they did, they called to their, their, their allies, their, their neighboring, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the, the neighboring tribes to pursue the fleeing army. It was a total and complete defeat by God's armies before there would be a prince of peace, before every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. The oppressor must be conquered. Evil must be vanquished. Christ must be victorious. The Bible is pretty clear. The ultimate peace of God under the reign of King Jesus will be won in battle, not delivered on a silver platter. The reality is our world is filled with struggle and strife and evil. And the day is coming when we read all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. We understand that our king will return mounted on a horse, leading his armies in victory and claiming that which is his. Sitting in our warm sanctuary, even our cozy stadium chairs out here in the cold, we don't like to think about the reality of evil in the world around us, but the truth is that it does exist. And true peace will only come when we have a defeat of evil. But we can have hope for that peace, can't we? Because on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, the Bible teaches us that Jesus overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave. I love to tell you all on Easter, and I'll remind you again today, that for a few hours on that first uh, weekend uh, following Jesus' death on the cross, Satan believed that he had been victorious. Without a shadow of a doubt, for a few hours, he thought evil had won. But on Sunday morning, Jesus got up. And because of that initial victory, we recognize that we live in that already, but not yet. Jesus has already declared his victory, and the time will come when he finalizes that. What is true peace? What is the peace of God? The peace of God is the defeat of evil. Second of all, the peace of God is the absence of strife. But that absence of strife comes only on the other, only on the other side of victory. It's there that we find that for which we long, the absence of strife. That's the dictionary definition of peace. Freedom from disturbance, tranquility, or a state or period in which there is no war or in which war has ended. When we read the Bible, we understand that there is constant warfare in the spiritual realm. Excuse me just a minute. When we read the Bible, we understand there's constant warfare in the spiritual realm. In Christ's, uh, then, then and then alone, after, um, <clears throat> excuse me, after Christ 
has overcome. Then and then alone will we discover this perfect king. Will we understand and fully realize that after he has overcome the prince of the power of the air, after he has established his eternal reign, will he shoulder the burden of ruling and reigning? And then we will call him blessed and then we will call him Wonderful Counselor. And then we will call him Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do we understand that in his reign, wars will cease? But it's not only war. In his reign, striving will cease. In his reign, there will be no turmoil. There will be no racial turmoil, no economic hardship and turmoil, no hunger, no pain, no pandemic, no unrest. In Christ, there will be total peace. But listen, it won't be brought about by human hands. Why? Because the battle ultimately is a spiritual battle, and we long for the day when Christ returns, when the heavens split open and his enemies are put to flight and finally and fully defeated. This is the ultimate promise of Isaiah chapter 9. Not that we will live in the already, but not yet, but that we will look forward to the fully achieved and accomplished reign of Jesus Christ. Folks, we can believe in that just as sure as Isaiah believed in the prophecies that he wrote about in Isaiah 9. We can have a full confidence that what the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 9 is as true as what the Bible teaches us in Revelation, and that Jesus will return one day to claim that which is his. And in that moment, he will wipe away every tear. Y'all, what will it be like to live in a world without pain and fear and struggle and strife? How incredible will it be to know that nobody could threaten or nobody could tempt or nobody could, could harm or hurt? To know that disease is no longer a concern. What will that be like? What a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. Do y'all remember that song? What a day, glorious day that will be. We long for that day. We look forward to it because we understand that it is possible for us to live in the absence of strife. But I'm speaking of a perfect world, aren't I? I'm speaking of this paradise. What do we do until then? You say, Craig, that sounds really good, that the peace of God is the defeat of evil, that the peace of God is the absence of strife. But look around. We seem day by day to be living at the very threshold of everything that could go wrong. If that's what the peace of God is, then what are we missing? Folks, until Christ returns, what in the world do we do? I want you to know this morning that until Jesus returns, the peace of God is the presence of Christ. Philippians 4, 7 speaks of a peace that passes understanding. Psalm 46, verse 10 teaches of a peace that comes even in the midst of war and strife. The peace for which we long is a total peace, but in the already but not yet of God's kingdom, we can know peace today. We can know it today. Jesus announced, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest or peace. The ultimate and long-lasting peace that we long for is found in Christ, whose presence promises peace. But this was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Let me read to you. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. You say, Craig, why in the world do you read that with so much joy? 
It's exciting. Also, I got to preach really loud to work up a lather up here. You know, it's a little chilly. No, this is exciting. There's gloom in these northern territories as Assyria was going to invade and displace them. But the great promise from Isaiah was that these same lands that had experienced God's judgment first, you ready for this, would also be the first to know God's promised peace. These lands where Assyria would invade. These northern territories that would fall first to Assyria. These lands of, 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 of Israel that would be essentially discarded, that would be overrun. This was the region that the New Testament knew of as Galilee. Jesus spent his early ministry in Galilee, the very location spoken of here in Isaiah 9. They walked in darkness first. But it was they who first saw the great light. It was in Galilee and its surrounding region that the light of Christ's ministry first shone. Do you understand that the peace of God isn't the peace that the world promises? It is much more. It is the very presence of Christ with you from all of eternity. And what Isaiah said in chapter 9 was that in the midst of the darkness, the light would come. And the light was none other than Jesus Christ. What is the peace of God? The promise from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 is that God's peace will not only be established, but it will increase without end. What caused all of this? What would bring about such an increase of his government? You ready for this? I had to wrestle with this this week. Because Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, the very last sentence says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What is the zeal of the Lord of hosts? We don't use that word very often. The zeal of the Lord of hosts. The zeal is the jealous love of God. What that means is this. God is jealous for you and his jealous love for you. He is bringing you peace and hope and joy. In his jealous love for you, he is rescuing you from your gloom and darkness. He is saving you from your sin and giving you peace. God takes joy in lavishing love upon his children. It's Christmas time anyway, right? One of the things that Angela and I really love to do at Christmas is to take a day um, while the kids are in school and, uh, and go and, and Christmas shop for the kids together. So we send them off to school. We'll usually go and eat breakfast or something fun uh, without the children. And then we go Christmas shopping. Uh, for the last week, instead, we've been quarantined with the children. It's been amazing. Everybody should be there. Um, now, we, we got our negative test, so uh, at least the adults are good to go. The kids have got to stay home for a while. But, uh, uh, but we, we've, we've done this. So that, that, that means that we've not gotten to do that, that go out and shop thing that we enjoy. But one of the things that we find is that with each passing year, we seem to enjoy buying gifts for our children more and more. Angela will come to me, and, and so it just, just happened uh, yesterday. She walked over with her phone. We weren't in a store. She walked over with her phone. She said, look at this. The kids are over there in the parking lot, so I can't tell you which kid we're talking about. She said, what do you think about this for? And I said, oh, I think, would love it. 
You know, what do you think about this for white? Oh, that's great. What do you think about this? Oh, I, I think that's a wonderful opportunity. I, I want to do, I can't wait for them to get it. My mom called me yesterday. She said, I've been wrapping Christmas presents all day. She's quarantined too. Everybody should quarantine. It's a lot of fun. Nope. She said, I can't wait to see their face when they open their present. Folks, that's the joy that we get at Christmas. I give something to somebody and then I step back and I want to see, I want to be there when they open it. We'll video it sometimes when we think we're going to get tears, you know, so we can relive it years to come. We have a picture five years ago was our very first Christmas with all four of our children. And there's this picture that Angela has of them before they walked into the den where their gifts were. And then we've got a video of them rounding the corner into the den. I treasure that. The looks on their faces, the joy. That's the jealous love of a father for his children who wants to give them good things. And it's a weird kind of jealousy because sometimes my jealousy is such that I don't even want you to give it because I want to bless them. God is jealous for you, except the jealous love of our Heavenly Father is so much more than material gifts. God longs to give you peace and hope, and joy, not just at Christmas, but for all of eternity. But where does that leave us? You know, the holidays aren't easy for everyone. Some of you struggle with loss. Some of you, this is the first Christmas without somebody you love. And of course, you know, we, we've got COVID that's created scenarios where we're not going to be able to see some of the people that we love because of this disease. The holidays aren't easy. And for some of you, it's even harder because we see, speak of world peace. Some of you would be happy if you could just make peace with yourself. You look back over your life and you wonder how in the world you can worry about world peace when there isn't even peace in your own home. I want you to know that God's peace is available to you today, right now. We won't, until Christ returns, experience those first two things that we long for, that full and final defeat of evil and the absence of strife. We look forward with, to that day with longing. But until then, I want you to know that you can have the presence of Christ. God's peace is available because the promise made in Isaiah was of a child who would be born. We can celebrate that child at Christmas. But folks, we also know that in him, you can know peace. Eternal, everlasting peace. You can find forgiveness and grace. You can find hope and peace. You can find the peace that passes understanding. So that in the days of struggle and strife, you can be satisfied knowing Christ and being known by Him. What is peace? The peace of God is the presence of Jesus Christ.
I ask you simply today, would you come to Jesus? Would you come to Jesus? Will you come and find peace? There's hope in Christ. And today I invite you, as we stand and sing in just a moment, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want this Christmas to be the Christmas that you find the peace that we sing about and long for. I want you to know that God sees you where you are. He loves you anyway. And he is jealous for you. He has overcome evil on your behalf. And today he will forgive you and make you whole and free. If you're out here in the parking lot, I'll be right over here. I'd love to pray with you. If you're inside, Pastor Buster will be happy to pray with you. If you're online, listen, you can pray right now. And I want you to know that no matter where you are or what you've done, that God hears your prayers. You can pray, Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And today I long for you to save me. I want you to know that God will save you. And if that's you at home today, would you use our contact form and let us, let us know? Send us an email. Give us a phone call. We want to pray with you. We want to counsel you. We want to love on you a little bit. Help you to take those next steps toward Christ. It's Christmas anyway. No matter what's happening in the world around us. In this Christmas, you can know the peace of Christ. Pray with me. Lord God, I pray that you would love us Hear us, Lord God, and move among us. As your word has been spoken, I pray, Lord God, that you would be at work through it in the power of your Holy Spirit. Father God, you would help us to know peace in the midst of our striving. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing.